Hi, I'm Joe Joyce, and you're listening to the 100th episode of Bears Beyond the Gate. Hello and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season card holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In our 100th episode, we review the 32-49 loss at home to London Irish. After a relatively quiet first half, the second period was utter madness. We discuss the game and what it means for our season. We also have a wide-ranging interview with Joe Joyce, including how the club has evolved during his time, the Challenge Cup win, talking with Alice Genge and Joe's personal hopes for the future. We also take a look at the Bears in Six Nations action, look forward to the next game away at Worcester and talk locks with one going but another one staying. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Pete's popped his cork. Pete's popped his cork. Because it's the 100th episode, um, we decided to to have something to supplement, uh, something fizzy to supplement. Uh, Pete was supposed to pop that cork uh, exactly after I said (laughs) cheeky beer and some rugby banter. But uh, was it sweaty hands? Were you nervous about the timing? Big cork, sweaty hands, weak wrist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's our usual Sunday evening slot. Uh, It's Super Bowl Sunday and we're uh, we're round at uh, Lee's once more. Lee, thanks for hosting. Good to see you, boys. We're we're the big NFL fans, me and you. Um, Mm -hmm. None of our teams were in it. None of our teams got (laughs) anywhere near it. Um, um, but uh, you know this this will go out after the Super Bowl. But uh, who's your money on then? Uh, I think. I mean, just if anyone was going to say two teams that would get to the Super Bowl this year, no one would mention Bengals. No one would have mentioned Rams. Uh, I'd like to see Bengals do it. I think. Um, even though I, I do like Sean McFay, I think he's done brilliant for Rams. But yeah, let's let's go with Bengals for me. What about you, Tony? My head says Rams. My heart says Bengals. Bengals have never won a Super Bowl, so I think it would be great for for them to uh, to win. Uh, Miles, Miles <laughs> is back from Cloisters and uh, his winter retreat. How, how was the snow, my man? Yeah, fantastic. I mean, I had a cheeky week, a cheeky weekend away with Pete's partner. Oh, and the, <laughs> and the Duchess. That's and, a different podcast, yeah, yeah. Miles. And three other friends. I mean, it was great. I mean, it sounded to me, like I was listening to last week's podcast, like in all of Pete's family abandoned him for the rugby. Does that sound about right? Yep. Yeah. And, and, I, and I was very happy about it, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the snowboarding was great, but it's uh, obviously great to be back for the 100th episode. And uh, Pete, we're going to talk about it in uh, in the little bit later on in the podcast. The problems with Scrum Half, but was that you down at Greville Smythe Park with your old number nine shirt <laughs> practicing box kicks? It's true. I, I immediately after the game, where uh, when I think Pat said he was have to get on the phones, I thought I'll save him. His, I'll save him his mobile bill, and I just thought I'll limber up a little bit. Uh, with my old my old shirt on, yeah, set up a little hoop to pass it through. Um, and as you say, turn a bit of kicking. Um, nothing's come through yet. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't try to launch one from the park into the centre circle, did you? Just to get his attention. <laughs> yeah. All right, boys. Well, let's talk about uh, that round 16 game on Friday. Good attendance, 16,637. Bristol 32, London Irish 49. Um, well, let me let, let me come to you first, Lee. Um, 
You know, it's fairly even, Stephen, first half. Certainly we were all talking, weren't we, at half-time? We didn't... We, we, we thought, yeah, the things are reasonably good here. It's looking good. We're playing some reasonable rugby. Few few missed opportunities. But 15-10 at half-time... Um, who could have foretold what was going to happen in that, that second half? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought exactly how you just described it to him. I thought that first half, we, we did a, a lot of good stuff. I thought Harry Facker was was uh, rampaging again, as, you know, as we were used to seeing him. Um, I thought we had some great defence at times as well on that first half. Um, and, you know, and I thought the, the only thing, I'd sent a tweet out at halftime, the only thing that concerned me was the unforced errors. Mm. And, you know, the last, what, three or four weeks, we've re-tightened up on those, haven't we? And it, it kind of felt like we just had to be a bit cautious that we were slipping back into that, you know, kind of pre-month-ago territory again. Um, but when I tweeted that, I was still completely confident and I thought, well, you know, we go again, we get the first points in the second half and, you know, and we're on for a win. We always knew it was going to be a tight game though, didn't we? We, oh, yeah. we knew it was going to be high scoring and we knew it was going to be tight. We certainly did. And Miles, let me come to you. Um, we scored the, that first try on 15 minutes, Whiteley. Uh, he was looking sharp, wasn't he? He was almost out Randling Randall. He was, wasn't he? He was making some uh, some filthy little moves, and you're right, a bit Randall-esque. He saw that little uh, space down the blind side, um, you know, which was a great chance, and then passed it, got it passed back, and a try. I mean, it was a great try, and I thought he was looking lively for the whole. Well, whilst he wasn't on for the whole match. <laughs> But um, he was fantastic. I thought he was very encouraging. To see. And again, it was one of those tries like we see down the blind side. They're, 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 I love watching them. They're dirty, they, aren't they? They are mm. really dirty because well, you're, you're yeah. expecting everything to come inside and it's gone back out again and you know to, to Fax and then to Whiteley. And like Mars has said, it was, it was filth. He, Whiteley does like a bit of blind, doesn't he? He does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, things were looking good uh, and then uh, Pete come to you New Alago try uh, on 31 minutes yeah yeah that was good I mean yeah again it was it was probably the least we deserved or least we we needed from the possession we'd had um, it was a it was a classic Bears try really um, you know it was uh, and, and great at that point little bit disappointed where there weren't more more points on the board um, but like Lee said I, I was feeling pretty confident I felt we were pretty well organized we were looking quite dangerous in attack they 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 were you know they're a good side there's no doubt about it they're a better side now than they they have been the last two seasons but I sort of felt that they were you know they were they were struggling you know they were struggling to, to really break us down um, so yeah I mean at that point it was all looking pretty good uh, so going to half time, they've just had a man put in the bin. Was is it Creevy? It was Creevy yeah. in the bin. Yeah. Um, so we know he's going to serve six, seven minutes in the second half. All was good. Um, and, I mean, just there was no sign of what was about to come. And I mean, we've seen the Bears in the last year or so um, give up some points quickly. But uh, Lee, come to you. 39 unanswered points mm. in 30 minutes can you quite get your head around that I still can't Tim. I still can it, and it was I, I think we all agree if we were beaten by a better side that's fair enough you know you, when, when Quinns did, did us in the playoffs you know they, they deserve to win that game but up to that point 
I don't think Irish were a better side. I think it was still quite an equal game. But then we we literally just well we almost we had happened to us what we normally do to other sides. And I thought the difference was where we were making unforced errors and mistakes. Irish were clinical, and mm. and I have to admit, like Pete had said, they've got some really good players in that Irish side. Um, and every time they went forward, I mean, we were getting caught out of position, weren't we? And they yeah. they were just the the timing and the accuracy of Irish passes were absolutely fantastic. And you know, full credit to them. You, you can't take that away from from Irish. No, and uh, I mean, Pete, they got ahead quite uh, uh, quite quickly, uh, and then fifty eight minutes, um, there was the New Alago incident. Um, I think when we all saw it on the big screen in slow motion, we thought, he's in trouble here. Your, your thoughts? Do you think it was a red? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I've looked at it back on, on the highlights. You know, uh, the only mitigation he has is that it all happens so quickly. Um, but, you know, it was high. He, he was upright. There was a lot of force. And there was one camera angle where you could see his shoulder go into, I think it was a young lad, their fullback's face. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't see how the ref had really any choice. And and it's it's you know I know people will say that that you know there have been people saying it wasn't, but I, I can't see how you can justify in the current climate in the current climate. Yeah. And and I think you can worry about other consist other decisions in other games, but I couldn't see how that was a problem. I, so it, but you know I, I think it was clearly. It was it was it was bad. It was a bad thing for us to happen to us. But it actually, wasn't necessarily a turning point in some ways, because we'd already conceded those two quick tries from from Irish before. They already had their pecker up, um, and actually, when you look at the the actual points differential from when the card happened to the end of the game, on the back of our last five minutes, it wasn't actually. There was only about three points in it, wasn't it? Yeah, so, uh, yeah. um, I was just going back to what Lee said about uh, about. You know, when the game got away, I think it was it was one of those situations where just so many little things that maybe on another day would go your way didn't, yeah. and it and it was it was as much our inability for whatever reason to make something out of that ten minutes when Creevy was in the bin as much as it was about the way that we conceded the two tries because essentially the two tries that Irish scored were two line breaks that they hadn't really looked yeah. like doing all mm. game mm. and it was essentially without getting too critical it was two gaps that appeared in our defence and you could say two missed tackles I mean it was good play I'm not taking anything away from Irish They were. Mm-hmm. it was a good loader ran a great line on the inside but somebody missed a tackle on him yeah. and the thing was even then, they managed to recycle it really quickly and score. Now, we hadn't done that in the first half inconsistently. And then the second try, I think, was a similar one. It was a first phase off a line-out, mm. and he went in between Lloyd and Luatua. It was Van Rensburg, who, was a, who had a great game. And then it was like the easiest offload. It's like mm. that one, like you look at it, you go, how do they not score like that all the time? So it's a really tricky one to put your hand up. But I think once, and, it, and then it brought in that whole thing about momentum and confidence Suddenly, they they had the upper hand. Well, I I would I would say that I, I absolutely agree with all of all of the above, but I would say that the errors started really early in the first half. Oh yeah, us. they did. Mm-hmm. But and, we yeah, but we and, were still leading at half yeah. time, and we were leading fifteen ten. I agree with you. We should have been more. I think on another day, and and I think you can even point to that. 
and this is a debatable thing that didn't change the game, but I don't understand why it wasn't a penalty try when Creevy was carded because essentially their try in the first half was exactly the same situation where they had been brought down close to our line which clear is a brilliant out. tackle by Vui by the way Phipps yeah brilliant tackle mm. Phipps picks it up goes over now we didn't offend they score a try they exactly the same thing Creevy's all over it offending killing the ball not allowing him to pick up how we just it'd been proven that in that situation there's a good chance of a try so and then, of course, we, we were our own enemy, victims of our own idiocy, by then mucking around with the line-out. I mean, you would have thought, seven men down in the pack, just go to four and, and drive and score a try. And we tried to do some sort of blindside move where there was no space. So that, again, and then, of course, we, we were unlucky in that, I think, after half-time, we gave away a penalty. And then we had two really good breaks and we didn't convert in that 10 minutes. And we were we didn't score we were we lost that yellow card through so that was part of it as well and it didn't get us going. That was the point I wanted to make is is because we weren't clinical enough, we gave Irish the fuel. We were almost we were filling up the tank for them. Well, the fuel was given we to them. Yeah. yeah, we we weren't taking our chances. And then you know you know rugby is all about momentum. And Irish were thinking, you know. We we really should be points down massively on this in this game, but we're not. And then it gives them the fuel to kind of think, yeah. we got a chance here. And that backline, we we we've said, didn't we, weeks ago, that backline of Irish is brilliant. And you only got to give them a sniff. And the thing is, we weren't clinical enough. But we gave yeah. them everything on the platform, and you know, and subsequently, that's that's why we got punished. Mm-hmm. Miles, let me come to you um, now. I think we, we all agree probably the red card was the right decision made by Ridley, but yeah. there were lots of decisions as well that seemed to go against us on Friday night. Now, that's not an excuse because, you know, I don't think we would have won, but kind of the inability of us to deal with a kickoff uh, without conceding a penalty, was it two or three times, I think? Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we, exactly we, we coughed up position uh, with, with penalties. Your, your thoughts on the referee? Well, yeah, well, you know, people was the, the crowd were getting on Ridley's back, weren't they? Um, and it did seem that our luck was down, to be fair. And you look at the penalty count; I think five for Irish and sixteen for Bears. So the stats say say it all. Um, but I feel like Ridley had an all right game. I think yes, we're on the wrong side of them, but because our play was poor, and we were a bit scrappy. And as Lee said, loads of unforced errors. It just puts a bit of doubt into his mind. The next time they go into Iraq or a mall, I'll keep an eye on Bristol. And we've just fell foul of that. So, yeah, I don't think he had a bad game. The decisions were pretty accurate. I think it annoyed me, I think, and fans more than anything, was the blatant time-wasting uh, of London Irish throughout the entire match. And, you know, I know you maybe can't penalise against it, but yeah. you certainly could have... Well, you certainly should have stopped the clock a lot more. And that was the most frustrating thing with me with Christopher Ridley. Maybe not the decisions, but just the mucking around by Irish. And we've had some bad refereeing decisions, haven't we, at Bristol over the, over the years. We can all agree on that. I totally agree with Miles. I don't think this was one of them. I think there were some inconsistencies, admittedly, but I think we absolutely created that storm for really, you know, to make those decisions. It was all, our, in my opinion, it was all our own downfall. I think 
you're right, and I and I don't. I, and I, it wasn't because of him we lost, but there were just some moments where I just say, on another day, I mean, for example, the penalty that we conceded straight after half time with a man advantage. I mean, I've watched it on the highlights, and they had Sean O'Brien throwing in at hooker. They didn't replace Creevy. So as a ref, you'd be thinking, they haven't really got a specialist. I'll keep an eye. It was, it was crooked. The throw was crooked. I, yeah. I watched it about three times. He didn't give it. We then, Fitzhardy got pinged rightly for not rolling away. He was unlucky. He rolled into the scrum off. But it's just that. And then, I just think that the thing about this with the refs is that the TMO gets involved. And I'm, I'm struggling to understand when and when, when should the TMO get involved and when mm. not get involved? Because sometimes... Dick, uh, tempo was getting him, was telling him yeah, was. to high tackle or it was offside they seem to get involved to tell them when they're offside on the line but there was one situation I know it sounds like saw, saw um, um, bad what does it sound like sour grapes sour grapes, sour grapes. You know, bad eggs I was thinking <laughs> yeah. but when, in that 10 minute period when we had a we had a man up we had a, we had a break right over in the corner I think Thacker broke and then they, they turned it over and the ref said oh no the, the, it was out and I, I looked at it again, and the guy came in, and he was on his hands over the ball, like beyond the ball. Now, I, that's, a, that's off feet. And the thing is, Ridley was looking at it. I can let him off. It's so hard to see these things. But where's the... I don't understand why Tempo's like... He was off his feet. And the mm. thing is, they have this sort of... Almost like this loving, the uh, TMO with the ref. It's like, oh, yeah. good call, mate, great call. <laughs> but they don't say things like, oh, bit of a dodgy call there. Mm. And it, it just kind of irritates when it doesn't quite go your way. It's just one of those things. On another day, things like that, and you know, it's our, we're our own. It's our own problem. We you you bust dust those off, and you've got to then make sure you do your thing right. And we I mean, didn't do that. The one thing I would say is that we've we've just given a balanced view of it. I think mm. there was a lot of Bristol fans that actually just only want to blame the referee. It's like we only lost because of Ridley, and that no, is no, 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 I don't think any right. of us believe that. No, no. but I mean, we, we can point out inconsistencies. Oh, without yeah. a doubt, yeah, and it's and part of the game, loads. and it's frustrating. And the point is that on another day, but we might it might have been different. But we also our own game wasn't yeah. on point, was it? But Miles, I mean, if if, if we look back uh, um, to to the game before, you know, numerous penalties, three yellow cards. Uh, now again a, a penalty count in this game three to one yeah. and a red card discipline starting to become a problem uh, it would seem like that I mean and if uh, I mean I obviously didn't see the game but it didn't seem as if Newcastle caused us that many issues to really give away so many penalties uh, Irish are a quality side and I you know there was some rumblings on the sort of fake supporters book that they were poor and they certainly absolutely weren't poor they were well drilled um, and their efficiency in our 22 was so much better than ours and that's clear to see we got in a 22 and we mucked chances up so um, yeah I mean um, yeah to give away that many penalties in what seemed like the first half was very encouraging but the second half went a bit to part it's, it's, it's discouraging moving forward and we've got to sort that out when we go to Worcester next week so 74 minutes I think they score their their final try we're losing 15-49 <laughs> we're sat there in the dolmen and a couple of lads have seen enough and they, they walk past me and I said jokingly you're not, you're not waiting for the comeback then boys and they, they kind of laugh at me and then, well, Lee, we, we see something quite incredible. I mean, everyone was feeling really, really down. And I think if we didn't have that, that blitz at the end and those tries, people would have been really disappointed. 
but in a bizarre way, it almost turned into. Can you describe it as a wake? But there's a free bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone's having such a good time remembering how things could be or used to be that actually it, it was people quite happy at the end. So um, that's a brilliant analogy, Dean. I have to you know tip my hat to that. Yeah. That's brilliant. And uh, so 76 minutes. Strang, who I don't think any of us have really seen play before. I did. I, I didn't even know who he was yeah. when he came <laughs> on. Boys, do you not remember when I went to Exeter for the Premiership? Yeah, 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 I, I brought us. back a scouting report and yeah. I, I said he was quite good. He did. <laughs> uh, he comes on, sub, scores a try. Scores a try. And then, what a start. Uh, yeah, and then possibly one of the highlights for me of the game, 78 minutes... Ash the Smash, the local boy, Exting's Crusaders, went over. They popped somebody popped it to him, didn't he? In close range, yeah. went over. Did you see that boy's face when he scored? It, brilliant, it was brilliant. As a Bristolian. Yeah. I, and that that just epitomizes everything that we that we all say about our club is the passion and the pride, like you say. I mean, it, you know. You loved it so much you ended up having a selfie with him after the game time, didn't you? Well, so. it was brilliant because I, as I was walking home, there's a few of the players were coming out and you can imagine, he, he's like one of those that quietly probably walks round and, and nobody maybe wants an autograph or a picture. They were all flocking round him. Yeah. It was brilliant. He was having pictures taken and, and signing autographs. So I thought that was amazing. Yeah. And then Jake Kerr, right, on 80 minutes, pops and up. another one. And, and we get another one, you know, to score... Three tries with three subs when you're down to 14 men in the last mm. five minutes of game. Has it ever been done before? I would very doubt much it. doubt it. No. And that, see, no, that, that's, that's good. That's happy. But for me, that, that just absolutely drives me crazy because that game was so winnable. And I think that to do that at the end was great. But we shouldn't have been so far no. behind to begin with. But yeah, you're right. No, let's let's stand on a positive. And like one thing I did want to say, I don't know if you guys thought this, but Van Rensburg, with that silly little tash he's got, did you think he looked a little bit like Ringo Starr when we were going back to when we were back in the yeah. studios for the uh, was it the Let It Be album? Yeah. Mm. He looked a little bit like Ringo on the drums, didn't he? It wasn't just Tash. It was Tash and Barnet as well. It was, I mean, Barnett, it was a kind of sixty late sixties early seventies. Bolus. He did have a vibe, with didn't a, he? With a kind of he mullet. had a Ringo vibe on him. But I don't think we should uh, mock him too much because he, he was, he was very good. He was good. I forget the names, but they, they uh, a couple of subs came on, didn't they? Rona. Oh, and 13. They were quality. Yeah. Someone else. Yeah. 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 They, they, they really made a difference mm. too. Okay, boys. Well, let's, uh, let's have a look at some of the performances then. Um, uh, maybe... If I come to, to Lee, if you have a, a, a look at the forwards and uh, Miles, uh, a look at the backs. Yeah. And this week, Pete, maybe you can have a look at some of the subs that come on Ooh. and give your, well, you... your, your thoughts. But do feel yeah. free to chip in at any point, boys. So uh, what were the performances that stood out for you in the, the front eight? Well, I, I thought the first 20 minutes particularly, Facker was, was fantastic. I thought like some of the runs, you know, he was rampaging again. He was like the Fakir of all. I thought the line out actually on, on both sides 
was was pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we I think were taking... more than twenty minutes. He was good. I think he was yeah, good it's... pretty much all the time he was on the pitch. Have you boys got the stats for meters made? Nope, no, not on, no, not on Saka. No, interesting. Well, well, what was Saka's meters made? Eighty. Eighty-five. He's looking it up, Miles. You've ch- oh, I don't know do that. He's dropped off my list. You're going to have to tell us, Tony. You're going to have to tell me. You said eighty. Yeah. You said eighty-five. Okay. So, well, ninety-two. Eighty-six. Oh, yes. Yes. Eighty-six meters from ten carries, according to the uh, wow. the, the, the official Premiership uh, website. So yeah, I mean, it was the old Thacker, wasn't it? It was, the yeah, 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 yeah. But he also, I, I mean, he also does a lot of work in defence as well. He's, he's he tackles a lot. I mean, I I, I think he's, I think he's back to his. Mm. He's getting close place. to yeah, yeah. And if you would he be your number one choice yeah. then at Hooker? Yeah. yeah, and he would be mine as well. Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, so I mean, I thought that again from the line out working really well. I thought the locks were good. Joycey was was fantastic again. Um, he took some some balls yeah. where never know. less than eight out of ten, is he? Yeah, no. never. So you know th- those boys were great, and I I, I thought Chris Vohey for me, <laughs> it was just you know we'd like we just you know said of he's just signed a four year extension uh, contract. And I thought Vuli was brilliant, and then that tackle to stop their player in the in the first half scoring. I mean, I know you know they they did go over in the end, but I just thought he epitomises everything in a Bristol shirt, and he's grabbing all of the guys' ankles to stop him, and he's just so consistent. Um, and also, I thought it was it was it was good to see Luatua back as well. You know, he's just uh, I think he's going to need a few weeks to get back into. Mm-hmm into his full kind of uh, Captain Superman mode again but you know I, I thought we were I, honestly I thought we were really good I'd go back to Vui it wasn't just that but he was one of the instigators of those tries at the end I mean he was yeah. he was running mm. in open play I mean this guy had put a shift in up front in the pack in, and, and he was you know he was prominent in a, in a lot of those plays that led to those tries I mean the guy is unbelievable isn't he mm. Absolutely, and he Absolutely. can paint as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, where's that come from? Bit of an artist. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I've got a, a mentions in dispatches um, for Max Laheef. Actually, I thought he, the scrum was solid. Yeah. Um, I, I, he, I forget how long he played. 55, 60 minutes. Also on the tackle count, made fifteen tackles, which was the third most after Jeffries with seventeen and, and Fitz Harden with nineteen. And that's the other player I was just going to mention, Fitz Harding, who has been phenomenal this season and still 19 tackles is massive. But maybe, is he starting to look a bit tired, do you think, Pete? Because yeah. there were a few handling errors. Um, you know, yeah. is it time maybe for him to, yeah. to have a rest? Time, you say time to get Naif back from... <laughs> from <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, we know he's a, he's a, he came from Durham University. I mean, playing rugby and going out on the lash all the time as a student must have its, uh, must have its downsides. No, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's testament to how good he has been is that he can still basically play well in terms of defence and tackle but we just are disappointed that we didn't see him in a, in a, yeah. in a fence and, and offloading off the floor. Yeah, and I think this is where squad rotation come in. I mean, he's a young lad, but you've got to manage these people. But, you know, with Stevie Luatua coming back, you know, we've got options. Um, so, yeah, I, I think yeah, it might be interesting to see that a, a night on the plastic at Worcester, he might get a, who knows, he might get a rest for that. Lee, do you not think that you boys are being a little bit harsh? I mean, he could have just had a bad day at the office. 
I know he did. I'm not saying he had a bad day. No, no, he just had a. He's just been so good by his high standards. We just didn't see him, and we and he made a couple of mistakes which he never normally does. Yeah, yeah, and and I think I mean that that could be. That could be tiredness. And I think, to be fair, him and Jeffrey's, you say, defence was pretty solid, but they just didn't quite have that impact mm. that maybe they have done as, as, a, as a duo in the past. And it was just one of those things. But it, well, that wasn't the reason we lost the game either. Because he did, he did fumble a couple of uh, kickoffs, yeah. didn't he? Mm. Restarts, but having yeah. said that, Paddy Jackson's kickoffs oh, yeah. were, so were up into the night yeah. sky yeah. in BS3. <laughs> Dropping right down on the 22, and he, he was taking the ball almost with contact, you know, yeah. right in front of him. So Jackson's uh, a class player. He, 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 absolutely, he, he played. He played really well. Okay, well let's let's look at the uh, the backs then. Um, your thoughts on that, Miles? I think um, it's a couple of standout. I think appearances. I didn't see Whiteley play last week because I was away, but I thought he was fantastic for the time he was on. Um, he's making little line breaks. His accuracy and speed of pass to number 10 were fantastic. So I was super impressed. Um, you know, I was just a bit disappointed. and he's, he's been bigged up into the position. You probably know what I'm going to say is Lloyd at number 10. I think it, it, it failed to work sufficiently enough on Friday night. Um, whether the fact that he didn't, doesn't get enough space at number 10 which we know that's a difficult position you don't get that space um, but for me it didn't work and I'm really sad to say that his, his drop kicks um, his restarts were too long every single kick um, so that's a puzzling one and I don't know where we go forward with, <laughs> with Lloyd and, and sadly he's an amazing utility back and I, I, you know, I, I struggle to see that really if he's going to get another chance. We'll see. I think that's about comment. Yeah, I think it's a difficult one because I thought we first twenty minutes, ten minutes or so, I really felt there was a real dynamism. We were zipping it around, and and he was, he was, he was part of that. I mean, Whiteley to him, and he was, and of course he he was quite instrumental in that comeback at the end with a lot of his stuff. He did but a fantastic. I understand what you're saying about. About, about where where his real position is, but I don't think we can really judge him until he's he's had a number of games. And actually, unfortunately, to on Friday, I think he was just overshadowed a bit by by Jackson that we mentioned as well, who was the consummate fly off. Um, so it's a, I, I kind of agree with yeah. you, Miles, but I, I just it's, 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 I don't think he was. He didn't have a. He just didn't. We all want him to have a brilliant game. Yeah, we do. And, and he is like twenty years old, and he's got a. But he didn't do anything terribly bad. He no. didn't. Mm. He didn't like. Miss passes to people. No. He didn't get kicks charged down. You know, you're right. Maybe the. We well, you know how the, well the he down. runs from yeah. space, like at 15 he, or, or win. I mean, he made a couple of them. There was a break in the first yeah, half yeah. that led to the try. He broke through and popped it into Steve Lewis too. I mean, he's a dangerous guy to have. Mm. And I think, given the, you know, it's a difficult one. It I is. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about the subs, I'm yeah. sure. But so, yeah, Lloyd. You know, it's a work on. We'll see where we are. You know, you know, you know. I was super impressed with is the rejuvenated Patilua, which I comment. On. Did he make a hundred and thirty-two meters from twelve carries, which is the most out of all the bears? The miles just come out with a stat. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and it was correct. Wow! Yeah. And it yeah. definitely well, deserves to be called fantastic. That yeah, one hundred episode when he comes out with a stat. Miles has got a stat yeah. right. Yeah, I mean his line breaks. I thought were super impressive based on some previous performances where he's been a little bit lackluster. So fair play. I thought O'Connor was good. Rajaraja. Um, 
Okay, I mean, as, as ever, he smashes into contacts, takes out three players, handling a little bit questionable. Seaver, brilliant, unfortunate that he got sent off. And Purdy was all right. He had a dodgy kick or two, but he was solid. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I, I've noted down kind of Lloyd at 10 question mark, Purdy at 15 question mark. Oh, I, no. I do tend to agree with you, Miles. I don't think we're quite seeing the progression. And I know he's not had a lot of games, Lloyd, but I, 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 the times that he has come in, he's never really, really sparked anything. And Purdy at 15 worries me a little bit because I sometimes think that he, he, he gets isolated. Yeah. He, he rarely yeah. kicks. And again, I think once or twice, we, we nearly got caught out with him getting isolated. But that's, that's exactly because he's not naturally a fullback. No, no. He's a winger, really, and that's what he will do. He will run the ball. And like you said, you do run the risk then of him getting isolated and caught out and yeah. way penalties. Yeah. yeah. Pete, the spare bears... Well, I mean, let's start with um, well, let's start with Tiff Eden. Yes, because we had he came on last he week. Four minutes, yeah. didn't he? He, 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 <laughs> he? There is an argument. There is an argument to say that he was, in terms of kind of uh, end product per minute in the game, he was the clear man of the match for for for, for the Bears. Well, how, how many meters did he make? Well, in those I four, would say because I can see him. Gallop in my own eye. I can see him. He he galloped down the wing at least twice on the far side, like the Dolman side, and then he was also it was his break and pass inside to Strang. So I'm I reckon he was in the 60s to 70s. No, maybe not that much. Maybe <laughs> six. How many minutes? No, there was two. I reckon he did at least two. I'm going to say 55, 52 meters. In, yeah, so so yeah, he was he was averaging yeah. about ten meters a minute, minute. play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but he he was running some absolutely su- and pace superb that we didn't realise he had. Yeah. Now I know there'll be people out there say he was, that was against a tiring Irish who basically were already on the coach, perhaps. But the guy showed some real instinct and some real punch, and I I just wonder. I just wonder if that has just got Pat's thinking a little bit for, for we'll talk about this in a minute. And I, and there was a, I, yeah, I mean, brilliant. I mean, it's the composure for the little, the, the, the kind of basketball yeah. one back inside to Strang to score. Um, and he just looked confident. He looked, yeah. he swaggered. That's like, the thing. When, when you see a player swaggering, when the chips are down, you think, you know what? I've got there's something about you now that I think we're back to where we went right at the beginning when we yeah. first played. So fair play to him. I don't know what happened with him, but I thought that yeah. was brilliant. So so yeah. But then obviously we mentioned Challenger. I mean, I, I, it's hard to tell. But, you know, he, but to be fair to him, he took that try well because it was a crash ball, but he still had to go through a couple of players and he kind of swivelled and got the ball down. So fair play to to him. Um, and then yeah, I mean Jake Kerr. Kind of it was just frustrating that Jake we score a driving mall from the line out at the end and why didn't we do that at the end of the first half you know it was just like so oh. frustrating that we we didn't do that but um and then i'll tell you what a little nod to uh to Antoine frisch, frisch who came on um, he he did one del- delicious little chip chip over that uh, i think set up maybe even have set up that try initially um yeah again he looked full of swagger so yeah i mean what can i say more than that I just got a quick question actually to you boys. You know, our line act, we, I mean, it worked really well, worked efficiently. But we went to the back of the line act, didn't we, every time? 
Why did we do that? Why did we implement that? Because, I mean, bearing in mind, those two locks for Irish are, are huge, aren't they? And mm. I just wondered why we continually went to the back of the line-out. Well, I mean, I think you go to the back because you get the ball, you know, it gives you that... It's an attacking ploy to go... If you go to two or four, the, it's, you know, it's further for the ball to go to... So it's, <clears> it's got less time... The defence has got less time to get out. If you go to the back and it's straight off the back and you whipped it away, they, they've got less time to get up. So it's again, I'd say it's a countering a rush defence thing. But it's also a risk when you've got two guys that big for a Irish to throw the yeah. ball over their heads. But it's a get... risk. I mean, but, you know, it, you, if you're a professional hooker, you've got to be good enough to be able to, fl- to do it. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we did a lot more at the back, didn't we, than we, we normally we, do. Yeah. Apart from the one when we copped up. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's round up round 16 then. Other results, Leicester 35, Northampton 20, Exeter 24, Gloucester 15, Sale 36, Worcester 12, Wasps 41, Bath 24, and then uh, earlier today, Saracens 19, Quinns 10. So that leaves us 10th in the table. We got the try scoring points. Uh, so we've got 27 points. Above us in ninth is Sale on 39. Irish in 8th on 40, Saints on 40 in 7th, 6th place Exeter on 41, 5th uh, place Wasps on 42, and then you've got Quinns on 43. And I deliberately picked those out because I just want to have a quick chat with you about what that result means to our season. Because I've done the article for the Bristol Post uh, for, for Monday morning, and I've said... I think that takes out any chance of a top four finish. And we've got a lot to do to try and get even to sixth. Lee, your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely, 100% agree with that. Top four for me is is there's more chance of Spurs getting into a Champions League place, I think, this season. <laughs> um, and I, th- I think, that, I hate to say it, but I think Miles might be right. I think the start of the season, did he, didn't you say seventh? I think did we both predict seven? I think we might have done. Yeah. So I I think that we will. You know, I think that's about as high as we can um, as we can look this season. Unfortunately, we're going to have to write this one off. I think you're right. I mean, looking at those stats, I think the the gap in is widening even between who's above us. TC Sale, did you say? So they got a so they got a good win this weekend. And you know, we despite my three three prediction at the weekend. We knew they'd bring down a good team, but I thought I thought that was that one would have been won with a solid performance. So, by the way, your prediction was was right for a couple of minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, but, well, not, not really. I should have gone. You know what? You guess all right. Guess how many points in the last three matches with London Irish, both teams have scored. What on average? On, in total. I reckon so it's got to be eighty. No, no. In total, the last three matches, oh. Irish versus Bristol. Loads. So this is oh, how badly my three-three prediction was out. Uh, what well, overall? Like overall, two hundred, two hundred and twenty-seven points. Oh. Uh, so yeah, argue. my prediction it was a bit poor. <laughs> it's a failure on the same. Don't, don't go skiing. I, no, no. <laughs> I mean, just just on the same question. I mean, I I think there is still a chance of an out a chance of six, but I just think it's just shown now how important it is to get some sort of decent start in the season mm, because yeah. we aren't any you know we aren't miles ahead better than a load of the sides it's not like we so when you're when you're behind the curve like we are 
it is a real big ask to well, get we, back in. We started last season really well. Yeah, and um, we, you know, look back at our season like Newcastle lost, Newcastle away we lost. Yeah. You know, even that Wasp game that I went to, yeah. we started that so brightly and then capitulated. The Saracens game, you know, you just cannot afford. And I think this is going forward to seasons to come. Is we've got to be really careful. We've got to get a good start because you're going to lose games. You're going to lose mm. games, and we're now in a position where we're, it's a bit desperate to. Do it so. See, I had this thought process that we were going to we were going to start badly, but then we were going to go on a yeah, complete upward curve. You know, like mm. the teams that like like mm. Quins basically, because mm. Quins did absolutely upward yeah. trajectory, uh, got to the, the playoffs and won it. Mm. And I, I just had a few weeks ago. I was thinking when we start winning again, uh, winning games again. I was thinking maybe that's what we're going to do. You know, we're just going to time it just right. But, but I, then all I, the other teams have picked, a, they have, picked up, haven't great. they? I mean, yeah. you think Irish did a couple of years ago. They have massively improved. Yeah. All the other teams have stepped up and we've fluffed the first half of the season. Mm. And sadly, I don't think there's any way back from this. We are going to finish... But we on our day. We can know, be anyone. We know that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. And I mean, you throw Saracens in that weren't there last year. Oh, of course. And they, they've knocked everybody down a place. Yeah. Uh, and also Leicester, of course. That but, COVID thing that we, we've already said last season, we, we won games just by the skin of our teeth for a lot of the games because a lot of the, the squads that, you know, the teams that were the opposition weren't strong enough because they had players out so you yeah. know what I mean I think there's mm. I think we're just finding a bit of a redress a little redress of the balance I think this season yeah so with with 10 games to play we're 14 points behind 6th uh, place um, so that's that's a lot of you know you've got to win what 3 three or 4 games more than the teams between you and 6th place and, uh, and for them uh, to lose. that's Irish Saints yeah. and uh, and a little team called Exeter <laughs> uh, and and Sale of course as well so you know I think that's going to be pretty tough going uh, OK well now let's move on um, uh, to celebrate our 100th uh, episode we uh, had the chance to have a chat with Joe Joyce. So uh, uh, without further ado, let's listen to that interview now. Okay, well, I'm delighted to help us celebrate the 100th episode of Bears Beyond the Gate. We have got Bristol Bears royalty. We've got the king of Southmead with us, Joe Joyce. Joe, thanks ever so much for finding time to talk to us. That's all right, mate. Thanks for having me on for the 100th one. Yeah, Joe, you've just just had your lunch. We've interrupted you on a training day. Uh, is, is the grub good up there at the High Performance Centre? Yeah, it's very good to you. We're very lucky up here. Everything in the training centre, everything we get provided with is, uh, is top-notch. So, yeah, that's why I can uh, give out time my day before you, mate. Don't worry. That's, that's brilliant. First of all, Joe, uh, many congratulations on uh, captaining the team recently. That must have been a, a, a tremendous honour for you. Um, how, how did you feel when you, you, you got the message from Pat that you were going to be captain? Yeah, it was massive. Um, when he called me into the office, it was a quick quick meeting and told me the reasons why he wants me to be captain. I thought it was just that week. So though, being, going into the fifth game now and still being captain, yeah, is amazing. Was, uh, I was bursting the pride. Yeah, and I think I'm right in saying you're probably our most successful Champions Cup captain. I don't think you've lost a game <laughs> in that competition yet, have you? Yeah. I've seen this summit the other day. I think Brian Burman was injured for um, eight months and didn't miss any European games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and Jim's record, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's absolutely brilliant. And could you imagine when when you were in the academy, did you ever think that one day you'd be wearing that captain's armband, running out at Ashton Gate uh, to play Stade Francais? Uh, you obviously dream it, don't you? But um, that was, yeah, that was my old dream. In fact, when I uh, first joined the academy at 15, Mike Hall and um, Matt Sherrick came in as our uh, academy managers and they got all of us to write down our ultimate rugby goal and everyone wrote, writing down things like be a British Lion, play in the Premiership, play for England. And my one was to captain the winning side against Bath at the Rec. So if I'm still a captain when you play Bath at the Rec, so I'll live my 14-year-old dream. <laughs> fantastic and, and and you know you've seen a massive changes since since you were in the academy um what, what's it like now with the integrated academy and have it having all the youngsters there with you yeah it's massive i remember when i was a even go far down as under 18s i watched under 18s play last week at, at dean's and they're phenomenal but the players they got on there just there's definitely going to be players that come through on that team. They won every game and they're in leagues when i was in under 18s we paid two games and I think four of us trained on the Thursday night for skills. I mean, they were coaches. So Sean Morrison was the first, as a first team player. And they stayed by and helped us coach the skills groups as well. So the growth in that, we had no kit, no tours. And I look at now the whole whole structure of all the way down to under 13s, I think. They've got plenty of teams, plenty of tournaments. They go on tours. They're all kitted out, proper coaches. It's, it's, it's amazing what what I've seen in the time I've been here in terms of the transmission. Yeah. Absolutely, and what what about the move from the Mem to uh, to to Ashton Gate? How how uh, you know have you have you got some emotional attachment still to the Mem, or is Ashton Gate home now and it's just happy memories? Well, Ashton Gate's home now, but to be honest, it's always home for me because I'm a big City fan. So uh, no, um, I, I I like the Mem, I enjoyed the Mem. It's obviously close to my side of town. It's only a walk away from. So I walk away from where I'm from. So yeah, I, I do miss the Mem days. Uh, I only see the Mem as rugby ground still anyway. So uh, yeah, I should love that going to uh, Ashton Gate on a Saturday watching the City and then the Sunday uh, Mem watching the rugby. So yeah, I, I love both grounds. But obviously Ashton Gate is, uh, is another level. And we've grown our support base from it, haven't we? It's been, a, been an amazing move for, for us. Absolutely, Joe. Well, one, one thing that's always puzzled me, you're, you're called the King of Southmead. Yeah, shouldn't, shouldn't that make you a gashead? Shouldn't shouldn't you be on the blue side of town? <laughs> That's why everyone's surprised. I, I reckon uh, it's like it's probably more city fans. It's not until you creep into like Filton, Horfield, Lot Leaves, you start seeing the more the Rovers side. But yeah, I reckon Henbury, Southmead, Westbury, you probably get more city. Even go to Charampton, there's more city. Seamill's more city. It's just that weird lot and Filton, Patchway, and Lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the gas line, not so tank. And, and, and you love your football as well, don't you? You're, you are a passionate football fan. And um, is Arsenal your second team? Arsenal's my second team, yeah. Well, I'll say that. Quite a second team. I'm a pretty, uh, I've been to home and away for both teams this year. So uh, people say you can't support two teams, but I probably shouldn't because it can mess up your weekends. Not very often, all three of my teams will win. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love my football. So unfortunately, I'm garbage at it. So yeah, I have to watch it, watch it instead. <laughs> And, and if, if I was talking the cup final in 2023 and it's City against Arsenal, which which goal you assist? Oh, City. Sitting behind. City massively. Why just City winning the cup would be massive, wouldn't it? That's just a normal for the that's normal for the Arsenal. So yeah, for City to win the to win the cup would be amazing. Uh and uh, you know, you talked about the academy, and it's great to see there's lots of Bristol boys in that academy coming through. But uh, of course we've got another Bristol lad that will be back with us next uh, next year. Ellis. Ellis Gange, have you have you spoken to Ellis since the, the news of him signing? 
Yeah, well, the whole process, I was uh, on and off the phone with him and Pat, to be fair. I felt like the middleman trying to <laughs> <laughs> trying to make it happen. But yeah, to be fair, ever since um, Genji left, he always asked me, oh, what's it like? What's going on? Same with Mitch before Mitch came back. is like, they never left. Because obviously, still, still Bristolians, didn't they? You still care about the club. And even if, say, Genji, he's playing for Leicester and he's playing for England this week, he's still representing us. He's a Bristolian, isn't he? They didn't have to pay for Bristol to represent Bristolians. So when I seen him go out there recently, do his stuff for England, he's still making all of us proud, isn't he? Even if he yeah. has a tongue at the moment. And, and did you did you manage to get a 10% then on the deal to sign him if you were nah, there? I, I tried my best, it didn't happen. Now, of course, with, uh, with with Ellis back, another Bristolian in the changing room, you know, I'm sure he'll, he'll be starting all the games and, you know, we hope it'll be a, a, a really successful season. Um, but of course, you've got an important role as a Bristolian in that team. You start the Blackbird when we win in the uh, in the dressing room. Do you think Ellis will fancy uh, taking on that role or is, is that yours now? No, hopefully we'll share it out. I see Andy Rennie's do it more often. But yeah, I don't mind that. It's all the more of us are singing it, the better. Yeah, and actually, that, that, that's another thing we've noticed. Is, is Semi ever going to learn the words to the song? Because we, we kind of see him clapping along. We don't see him singing much. I don't think so, but it's such a long as you keep bringing that same energy, we'll go past that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And you talked about one of your boyhood dreams, winning uh, at Bath, captain in a side there. How tasty was it? Was it a couple of seasons ago? I can't remember when it was locked down and you conducted the Blackbird on the pitch, having beat Bath at the wreck. Yeah, I think we had fans there that day. We definitely had fans there that day. Oh, right. But uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was brilliant. Especially it was a real boggy time of the year as well. It was a real heavy pitch. I think I think that like five of us maybe over twenty tackles that sort of game we really had to grind it out. Obviously, they, they were in a better place than they were now anyway, so they're still a tough a tough side. And uh, yeah, to win at the wreck in those conditions, and there was a lot of Bristol fans there as well, and uh, it was it was wicked. Yeah, and of course Nathan's gone over on a short term loan to Bass. Could could you ever see yourself pulling on a Bass shirt on a short term loan? <laughs> well, I don't think so but like, uh, as, as long as Bristol want me I won't be going anywhere so yeah oh forgive Nath uh, it's, it's good for him he's gone there and look what he's done his first game uh, the more games he plays it, it, it's better for us and when he does come back uh, more ready than ever uh, and Joe can I, can I just ask you um, certainly for us for, as fans and I think you know for the players as well that 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 magic night when we beat Toulon in the European Challenge Cup um, you know you, you've had some time to reflect on it now how, how, how special was that for you as a, a Bristolian? Yeah I've got to say it's got to be up there obviously in a, a Bristol career but, um, but I always still think now is it's just such a shame a game that big uh, it might be in Marseille the final the Imagine how many Bristol fans would have been there. So to win that with not a Bristol fan in sight was it's still amazing, but it would have been extra special if there was thousands of Bristolians there in France to celebrate. But still, we got to before the game in the hotel. We had hundreds and hundreds of like good luck messages and cards ran out by fans. So we still felt the support, even though no one was there. That makes sense. And Chris Boyle was there. He let us know what it meant to the club, and everything seemed to. Everyone was saying the right stuff before. We were doing the right things, and it, it still felt bloody special. Yeah, and is that giving you a taste for it now? Do you do you want more? That's the thing. <laughs> I think uh, Dan Thomas. It wasn't even it might even be finished. So after after the game, obviously COVID rules, we want to leave the hotel. Obviously, all we want to do is celebrate and go mental, don't you? So <laughs> what we had was a hotel bar. 
And it was probably about two hours into to drink and Dan Tosk goes in and he's, he's like, oh, fuck, George. He's like, when's the next one? We need to keep winning this. Like, I was like, just enjoy tonight's game with DT. We're about that next week. <laughs> Dan Thomas is all on about winning the next trophy at the same night. But that's the sort of characters you want in your team as well, don't it? So. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, as far as your, your own ambitions, you know, say if you hang your boots up in whatever five, ten years' time, what, what would you like to have achieved in the game? Well, personally, I'm just shy of 150 games now. If I can get a, over 200, hopefully, but if I can get a, around 250, that would be special for me. I've already been nosing off clubs that I say what's the record amount of appearances by a lock. I want to chase that down. I think I'm not far off Sambu now and about 40 games off Roy. So are those little things that I want to look back and feel I played a lot of games here, but not just that, I want to win things doing it. So if I could play over 200 games and I've really got the Challenge Cup, imagine if I had a Premiership medal in there as well and all of a sudden that's, that's, that's special. Yeah, and of course, I think you're dual qualified, aren't you, for for England and Ireland? And uh, just just say one of them came knocking. I suppose it's a bit like the Bristol City and Arsenal question. If they both both turned up on the doorstep asking for you to to play, which one would you choose? You know, I probably surprise a few people, but I, I definitely would pick Ireland. Yeah, well, I've, always, that, that I've always had that. Well, both sides of my family. So my dad's side are from Galway, which I went to visit my week off, and my mum's side is from Tipperary. So it's both sides of the family. And uh, I don't know, I suppose just growing up, and my dad, I've always been a big Ireland rugby supporter. And in football, I've always been a big England football supporter. So, but I, I'm English, I'm, Brist- I'm Bristolian first. If anyone asks me, are you Irish or English? I say neither, I'm Bristolian. <laughs> but, uh, I've always been, um, more like Ireland is more of a underdog feel, smaller place, like backs against the wall, sort of enjoy that sort of a mentality. Not the biggest man, you Irish, but... You always find out ways to win games, don't they? I just I don't know. I just thought that would suit me as well as a as a player, as a person. Very passionate yeah, I, as well. I, I suppose you were hoping then. I mean, as, as fans, it's great that we've progressed in the Champions Cup, but like omen away against Sale, don't don't feel that special, really. We, <laughs> with the, we, do, do the boys have a, a kind of oh? Wouldn't it be great to go to Leinster or wouldn't it be great to to go to some of these big French clubs? Was there a bit of disappointment when it was Sale? Uh, not dis- uh, not disappointed. My probably some boys won't mind going to a team like the South of France or something, but that's probably them for the wrong reasons. Uh, <laughs> the main thing is to, uh, yeah, it's also disqualified to the next round. But me, uh, when we got when they got an Excel, that not long enough for a good result against Excel. So obviously a, it picks you up. But I don't think you've won at Excel yet, so it's going to be a tough one. But it's two legged as well, which is a different experience. I've not not experienced that since the playoffs. Yeah. And I only played once in the final play, so it's new to me. So yeah, uh, yeah it's exciting to see how we t- how we go into those games. But yeah, personally, I would love to go play an play an Irish side for those reasons I mentioned. Test myself against uh, one of the provinces, but I think all, all that matters in any sport is just winning the next round. Absolutely, Joe. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, and on behalf of everyone uh, at the podcast, can wish you every success for the rest of the season in your career with uh, Bristol. And uh, do give our regards to the boys. Cheers, Tony Bordeaux. Thanks for having me. Well, boys, it was an absolute delight to to speak to Joe. Um, He was so good, and uh, thanks to Tom and Will at the club as well for. For sorting that out but um lee bristol through and through and through yeah the the, the thing that really come through when you asked joe about you know england or ireland and the first thing he said was 
first of all, I'm Bristolian. And <laughs> <Yes>. that, <laughs> that, to me, summed up yeah. exactly how Bristolians feel. I mean, like, you know, we're all English here in the room, but Bristolians first. And, you know, we, we just have that mindset. We're almost like a, a little community in ourselves. So, mm. yeah. But it was a brilliant interview, wasn't it? And what I loved about it is just you get exactly what you get from Joe Joyce on a pitch. You get yeah. you just got complete honesty, genuine and just down to earth what what a guy and you know what a what a career. And those stats, I was surprised actually he was such a, a, yeah, a stat yeah, yeah. guy because I mean me and you were you know, we, we were on our stats but he's obviously looking forward, isn't he? He's got goals and, and ambitions. You know, going forward and I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And thanks ever so much for doing it, Joe. I thought I, I thought I loved the fact that he used the Pairs Beyond the Gate platform for his uh, come and get me call to Andy Farrell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, he obviously targeted that as uh, there was a little I thought a little bit there. It's like, oh, you know, don't forget me. Uh, so who knows if he gets called up for Ireland yeah. in the yeah, next yeah, few yeah, months, yeah. you know, you know, maybe for the for a summer tour. Oh, we'll be there. We'll be there. We'll be there to support him. We'll we'll be looking for the ten percent that maybe Miles he didn't get for Genji back. Apparently not. He sounded a bit disappointed, really. I did wonder the Galway link, you know, because he said, didn't he, in in a Jeff uh, Twentyman interview a couple of weeks ago, went over to Galway, and I thought, where's that come from? Obviously, he's got family. It was fantastic. The thing I loved the most was the fact that you know one of his ambitions. He loved the Cherub Challenge Cup, didn't he? But what he wants best, and I. Goodness, God, I hope Pat gives it to him. If he goes to the wreck, give him that captaincy because it is absolutely brilliant. He loved a smash bath at the wreck, <laughs> and I think he deserved it just for saying that. Yeah, it, it, it was a it was an absolute pleasure talking to Joe. And it wasn't really an interview. It was no. we we just had a chat. Yeah, it was great. Um, it was great, and it was great. And for for any of our younger listeners, there was a a little naughty word that that, that crept in, but. Uh, I do apologise for, for using bath um, <laughs> in the interview. OK, you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout and many, many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at Bears Beyond Gate, And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Okay, so uh, we are now going to look ahead to the next game, round 17, Friday the 18th of February. It's Worcester uh, versus Bristol at Six Ways. This game's on BT Sport. But before we talk about it, let's uh, listen to the latest in Pete's Premiership previews. So let's hear that interview now. Okay, so I'd, uh, I'd like to welcome friend of the pod, Marcello Cosali Francis, from uh, the sports editor from the Worcester News, um, to help us preview the next game at Six Ways. So, uh, how are you, mate? Okay. Yeah, let's see. I just about recovered from my exploits yesterday in the, in the rain and the wind up in Salford watching Worcester play, play sail. But yeah, nice and warm now, and uh, hopefully about to watch Italy beat England in the Six Nations for the first time ever. But. Oh, I see you got that one in there early. That's good. Yeah, yeah I, I just suppose it. Yeah, an, an away game in the rain at Sale is a bit like the football equivalent of a Tuesday night at Stoke, isn't it? So uh, probably not the, the the best one. But anyway, let's start with that. I mean, just just for our for our listeners, it'd be quite interesting to get your take on the on what happened yesterday because it was a fairly heavy defeat, wasn't it? It was, and I said after the game that 
the first half, Worcester found themselves 12-10 up, but I think they've played much better halves of rugby already this season. They didn't really play very well. I think Sale, I think Sale gave away something like eight penalties in that first half. And every time they went forward, they looked they looked dangerous and they made line breaks a couple of occasions, but their pen there kind of discipline let them down massively. And from that, Worcester were able to kind of get out of their half quite a lot. And Sale basically builded pressure and Worcester were able to relieve that through through the ill discipline of Sale. So it was an interesting half. It didn't. Neither side really played particularly well, but Worcester uh, had one entry into the 22 um, after another penalty and managed to kind of score, score a try in the corner, and then a charge down clearance from Fafter Clerk uh, and Niall Annett scored. So yes, they'd scored two tries, and they were probably kind of thinking at half time, "Well, this is great because we haven't even played that well, and we find ourselves up." But they were playing with the wind, and I think having seen how Sale played in that first half, they really struggled with the wind. And you thought that Worcester's lead probably needed to be a little bit bigger if they were going to have any kind of chance. And in the second half, really, it was 26 unanswered points from Sale. And they were able to bring Jesse Van Rensburg and um, and, and uh, ha- uh, Rafi Quirk as well off the bench. So that's two players that all you know basically could have started and probably would start normally. They're that good. Um, so yeah, it was it was a difficult second half. Worcester couldn't really get out. Their discipline started to falter. The yellow cards, Perry Humphreys, and Sales scored two tries in that period, and that basically killed the game off. And once they'd once they'd got a, a little bit of a lead, there was only ever going to be one winner. So, especially with Worcester's away record as well. So um, it wasn't a great performance. A few injuries as well. It was a pretty bruising encounter from a Worcester perspective. I think they picked up a few injuries and. Now looking forward, they're thin on the ground in the background. They're also really thin on the ground in the centres as well. So it could be another pretty makeshift look about the Worcester side that mm. they take on Bristol next weekend. Well, we'll come on to that in a sec. I mean, I'm just just interested to hear um, what you think about um, obviously Steve Diamond now is the the new supremo. He can't have been too pleased yesterday to to go back there and uh, and get a loss. But um, I mean, it was quite as interested observers of, of of the of the soap opera maybe at Worcester. We see see Steve Diamond come in as consultant. Um, obviously, Jonathan Thomas then is working for him. <laughs> Got a new line manager, and then fairly soon, Jonathan Thomas leaves. I mean, there's a little bit of a Bristol connection. Obviously, he was at our place before Worcester. Um, was that kind of a an inevitability? Do you think he was always going to lose a, the power struggle, or is there anything else going on? Um, to be honest, when when the news was released, I received the press release via email, and it was topped with Steve Diamond is going to take over the director of rugby role from the end of the season from Alan Solomons, and that was what everyone's expected anyway. And I, it wasn't until about 10, 15 minutes later that I scrolled through the press release, and there's a little paragraph saying, oh, by the way, Jonathan Thomas has left with immediate effect. And that was, for most people, a massive shock. Mm. I don't think anyone saw that coming, to be honest. My initial thoughts when Steve Diamond came in was, I find it difficult to see that Solomon's Diamond and Jonathan Thomas are all going to work together in this little management trio. I could never see that really working out if I was being totally honest. But then speaking with um, some people said, did Jonathan Thomas leave because he wanted the director of rugby role? But when we spoke to him a couple of times, he was made it very clear that his, he always wanted to be a coach. He wanted to be a hands-on coach, not a director. He didn't want to be involved in the, the stuff off the pitch. It was never really his ambition. So my, my honest thought is that Jonathan Thomas was told that, look, we're going to get Steve in charge of the side now. 
um, and you're going to probably be sacrificed. And that's how I genuinely think it's gone. I don't know. And I don't think I'll ever know how it, how it went down uh, basically, but um, yeah, it's a real shock. And just personally, I really liked JT. He was a good guy. Obviously a Welshman helps, but he was a young coach and it was his first full season in charge. It's his squad that he inherited. He then uh, 20 players left in the summer and he brought in about 13 new ones and the results were starting to turn. They just, you know, they'd beaten Sale, they'd thumped Bristol in the in the Premiership Cup, mm. they'd beaten Gloucester in the Premiership Cup, they'd beat Wasps at home. Results were starting to turn. They they won. They finally won an away game at, at Zebra in, in the Challenge Cup, and you know things were looking relatively positive. Um, so for that to that to then happen the following week, I, I don't think Jonathan Thomas saw that coming. So the way it the way it came across to me was that he was very much kind of. Um, he was given a soft boot outdoor, but that's just my honest opinion. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I suppose one of his legacies was that he uh, he, he facilitated the departure of um, Chris Ashton, though, didn't he? <laughs> I, I mean, I, <laughs> before um, before Steve Diamond came in, but um, and he's obviously popped up at, um, at Leicester now. I'm not sure he's gonna. Uh, from what I heard, and uh, that they might have had altercations on the training ground. I'm not sure Chris Ashton's going to do that with Steve Borthwick, is he? I don't know. No, so so I was. I was on the BBC Leicester podcast, the Tigers podcast, the other day, and I said that I said I, I wouldn't get your hopes up about Chris. Um, he's, but well, the one thing I would say is was Jonathan Thomas is a young and relatively inexperienced coach, so dealing with a big character like Chris Ashton might have been more of a challenge for him than it would be for someone like Steve Borthwick, who you can imagine won't take any kind of nonsense from Chris. And I think Chris probably understands that a little bit more than he would under under Jonathan Thomas. So I think that dynamic potentially works out a little bit better than JT and Ashton. But um, yeah, I mean, Chris Ashton is kind of his own guy, isn't he? He kind of, he kind of just, you know, picks up and plays wherever he wants yeah. to. And uh, we'll have to see how that goes. But um, well, yeah, yeah there's, a, there's only a few clubs he hasn't been to. And obviously Bears are on that list. You never know. Uh, we'll see. Anyway, let's get on to the game next uh, Friday. I mean, you alluded to the fact you might be um, a bit threadbare. I mean, and us as well. I don't know if you saw um, or read up on the Bristol game on Friday. I mean, we, we uh, big news for us is our third choice scrum off pulled his hamstring. Um, so we've gone down to our fourth choice. Um, so we haven't got much cover at halfback as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what do, what do you think? I mean, we, we we don't always like coming to Worcester, although in recent times it's it, we've seen to have got rid of that that hoodoo. Um, but, you know, on a plastic pitch, on a Friday night, a few injuries. Um, how do you see the game going? Well, generally speaking, Worcester have always played better and they literally get all of their positive results come at home. They don't... I did. I looked at it and I think I found out that really since Worcester's last promotion to the Premiership, I think they've won maybe eight away games in about six, seven years. Um, so it's, you know, it's away record is awful. Uh, and, and most of the time I go up there, go, I travel and I've watched them win one away game in the Premiership, I think, since I started my role at Worcester News. So at home is where they get their results. A Friday night under the lights. I think Steve Diamond made seven changes last weekend, um, obviously yesterday for, for the sale game. And I think he looked at that and thought, I'm going to give players a, a little bit of a chance to impress because ultimately this isn't a game we're likely to get anything from. And he said afterwards that he's got bigger fish to fry. And I think 
one of those fish is probably Bristol at home, uh, given how Bristol have gone this season. And generally, it's probably a fair shout that Bristol, you kind of go week on week from week, not really knowing what's going to happen in terms of the, the consistencies definitely not been there that it has in the last couple of seasons for Bristol. Obviously I was, I worked, I worked covering Bristol for that first year they were promoted. So I've, so I've seen them kind of develop, but um, yeah, I, I don't think they'll be, I think they'll be probably, no, well, they wouldn't be worried, but I think they definitely fear coming to six ways because like you said, I watched the game a couple of seasons ago when Worcester put 50 points on Bristol. And um, yeah, with the crowd, I think it will be definitely be a game that Diamond and Worcester are looking at and thinking, well, this is one of the ones we probably have to try and get result from if we've got any ambitions of of pushing up the table. So the form isn't great and they're still, Diamond is still having to spend pretty much a lot of time trying to work their new defence and work a few things and seeing how other players kind of play because at the moment he's using it as a little bit of the next few weeks to try and almost trial out some players and see who's going to stay, who's not going to go, because he's already said that, you know, some people are going to have to compete for their their place at the club. So, yeah, it would definitely be an interesting game. And I think both sides will will, will look at it and think this is a game we have to win, really. Um, but neither side massively confident is probably how I'd bill it. So it's uh, probably be six all. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Any um, any players we should look out for? Any young ones at night that we might not have heard of? or? <sighs> Well, I mean, like I, like I mentioned a minute uh, a minute ago, the the injury problem is a worry. I think I think there's five centres missing. We was uh, to play Alex Earl there, a winger, which didn't really work. If I'm being honest, um, so injuries are a problem in terms of players to look out for. I think the obvious ones. Ted Hill has been has been immense for for Worcester this season, and he's really stepped up his game and. It's a little bit. It's a little bit strange that he he hasn't been called back up into the England squad. When you see other players getting called up, you think, well, how consistent Ted's been. But there we go. Uh, obviously, so he's definitely one to look out for. Um, Jamie Shilcock is another player who's really stepped up his game. Um, this in the last couple of seasons. Um, but it, again, it's difficult to know who will actually play mm-hmm. next week. Given there were seven changes today, I think Kyle Hatherall has probably been Worcester's standout, but he's. He came off the pitch kind of with a, an injury yesterday and Sam Lewis also. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you don't know who will play next week, but given that they made seven changes last week, they'll probably be closer to the first team side this week. But the players like Ted and and probably Matt Kvezik, who's also had a good time, Gareth Simpson, the nine, has been, has been pretty good. And um, otherwise, it's difficult to kind of pick out players to watch out for. Uh, in terms of Worcester, I think they might have to. They, they may. They might have to give Seb Atkinson, the youngster, uh, he came on for his Premiership debut yesterday. They might have to give him a chance. And you know what? He looked pretty good in the 15 minutes or so that he had yesterday. So he's probably someone to look out for that not many people have watched before. So he could get a run. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, it's hard to know what side or believe be put out. Yeah, I mean, we'll, well, I guess we'll, we'll wait and see, won't we? We could look back at it. Anyway, look, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, let's hope it's a good game next Friday at the end of the day. We all want good games of rugby. And uh, thanks very much. And hopefully speak to you again in the future. Absolutely sweet. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much. Well, that was an interesting one. Uh, it's it's particularly interesting to, you know, I, I was thinking, oh, Worcester, you know, are they on a bit of an up? But they've got their own injury problems, according to Marcello. Yeah, it sounds like he thinks their diamond has come in. <clears throat> you know, there's he's, he's going to create his own squad. Uh, they've got injuries. He threw, apparently threw in some young'uns up 
at Sale, although it was an interesting comment that he said that Diamond had said that he, he wanted to save, he had bigger fish to fry than the game yesterday, which sort of suggested that maybe they'll have a more, as Miles might say, a, a more solid uh, squad on Friday. Yeah, I mean, you've got to, you know, we've got to take from that that they've got to, they've got to be there for the beating. Um, we've got to go up there with confidence. We know it's a it's a difficult place to go. We know that, as Marcello said, basically they only ever win at home, <laughs> and that's it. So it's going to be an interesting battle, I think, an interesting battle. And uh, and you know we can't underestimate the Steve Diamond effect as well. So um, yeah, he wasn't. I wouldn't say he was on the positive side of optimistic, was he? But um, you know, I think we still got to be wary. Yeah, and we, we, we've always struggled, haven't we? It's yeah. on the plastic yeah. pitch up there. Um, and it was interesting to hear what he was talking about, you know, the whole diamond thing and, and the fact that J, he'd even missed yeah. JT going in the, yeah. the press release because it was a little line just yeah. at the bottom. And, uh, and he, and he, he actually movie. said, I think he said, I don't know whether he said it in the interview or off, off, off uh, when we were talking afterwards, that he really rated him, he really liked him, he thought he was a... But JT had always said he wanted to be a coach, not a DOR, and I think that was probably the nail in his coffin, is that you know, you, there was clearly no way that Solomons, Diamond and Thomas were yeah. really going to work as a little triangle, so, as he said. So it, it looks like he was, it was probably now in hindsight a fairly obvious thing that was going to happen. And we all hope, obviously, Jonathan Thomas picks up a job somewhere else, I'm sure he will, because yeah. by all accounts he's a talented coach. Um, and uh, I'm not sure he'll come back to Bristol, but you know we'll... Uh, We'll see. It'd be interesting to see if he stays in the Premiership or whether he's uh, he, he might go back to Wales, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, wherever he goes, we we do wish him luck. So uh, let's think about uh, the uh, the game up at Six Ways Miles. Um, your thoughts on what changes uh, we'll see, and obviously one will be uh, Whiteley. It's a hamstring, so again, suspecting that's going to be for six weeks depending on the severity so uh, who's your scrum half? <laughs> <laughs> Who does that leave more like? I mean clearly that leaves You've got one option yeah, got Get yeah. it right <laughs> Theo Strang doesn't it? Who he came on at 67 minutes and he looked pretty zippy didn't he? He looked very Whiteley-esque and Randall-esque he was smashing out the lines his running lines were great and he scored a try so clearly that's our only option the worry is, who on earth have we got as a nine backup? Because um, I haven't done my homework and found out who on earth in the academy is is our next number nine in line. Pete will probably tell us. Well, I think it's Andy. JJ Williams, but that's okay. just based on looking at the website. And I mean, I assume he's available. Absolutely, around, but, you know. JJ Williams. He's quite old now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, from the past. Um, so that's it. Theo Strang at number nine. I mean, I didn't see. Yeah, um, much change in that pack. Do you think? Uh, potentially not. I th- as you said, I thought Lahif and Jan Thomson Saka were a pretty solid front line. Yeah. So I think with their absences, um, I- I'd start that again. To be honest with you, I thought they were they were pretty good, and I thought Kirk Haywan did a great job. I know we've seen Brian Byrne play the last couple of matches, but with his uh, bionic knees, maybe a plastic pitch won't suit him. So yeah. Saka and Kerr, probably the obvious choice. And of course, we don't know what's happened with the foe because he was listed as unavailable. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and I mean, Atwood only had that half and, yeah. and was was taken mm. off against the Newcastle game. 
whether we'll see back Big Dave back, but again, another one whose knees might not be too favourable for a plastic I pitch. I mean, we, we discussed whether Joycey was going to have a rest last week, and, I mean, he keeps going, doesn't he? And, mm. I mean, if, if I don't think Vui would, but I think if there was going to be a rest, it could be Joe, but then again... But if you're talking about Fitz maybe being rested, then mm. Dan Thomas comes back in, well, maybe? I think, and then I think maybe that'll be... Or even if Fitz does play, I think Thomas might come in anyway. Mm. Uh, yeah. Just to get a bit more dynamism at the, at, you know, in that back row, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, and Pete, let me come to you then. In in the backs, um, uh, we've already discussed Whiteley, but um, what about fly half? Do you put, persist with Johan Lloyd, or is Tiff, Tiff, Tiff Eden's little yeah. cameo given Pat to think something for something to think about? Well, if I'm being consistent, then I would say that we'd stick with Lloyd because I said earlier that he needs to have more time to develop it. Um, so I, I think that's what he will do. Or does Sheedy get released back well, from yes, Wales because it's, it's not a Six Nations week? Yeah, I mean, that's and another then, option. And, and then slots in. I think it will be either one of... It'll be, it'll be a Welshman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but I think I think Eden will be on the bench again. I think he's done, uh, clearly done enough. Um, uh, so I, I think it's difficult. I mean, in terms of full-back... I mean, the other option is Lloyd could go, but if Sheedy comes back, Lloyd could go to full-back. I, I don't see that that will necessarily happen, but we don't know Morahan's situation at the moment. We're kind of assuming he's out. And we know um, Newell Argo's not going to play Newell Argo. So you've got to think, well, Hurdy back on the wing uh, with obviously uh, Miles' new favourite player, um, Alapati, or as he was called, by the way, as he was called in the commentary of the Premiership, he was called Latoya <laughs> by the commentator. Um, it's a tricky one, that, because they. I, I think they'll stick with with, with Piers and Semi. Yeah. I mean, I think Frisch showed willing, but, you know, he's not enough to start. Um, yeah, I mean, full-back is an issue. If, if Purdy has to play full-back, let's say, let's say Lloyd is 10, Purdy's got to play full-back, if Morahan's out, who's the other winger? I mean, is Fricker still injured? You know, it might be time for the Frickster, mm. uh, the Trickster, to come back. And I mean, when he came back last time, I mean, he was he was awesome, wasn't he? So well, Adi Alokan's always and there's all up, up, I mean, Adi Alokan's one of the yellow bibs. He is available. Isn't he? he looks quite. He looks quick on that bib and on the warm up. No. So I think it's again, as I say every week, we don't know, do we? It's going to be. It's going to make the team selection for the backs definitely quite exciting. But it's still nice to have the options. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is. But the options are narrowing, aren't yeah, they? They are, they, yeah. they, they are narrowing, and uh, I just think as well if they they've got a makeshift centre part in, uh, and that's not a haircut. Um, that um, you know, is that an area we should target? Should yeah. we get some big ball carriers in there? Obviously, Ran Randra takes into contact really hard mm. you know is this time for Frisch maybe to maybe. come in or maybe even put um, Latoya in the centre as well <laughs> yeah. uh, well you're right I mean although is I mean is Frisch because he seems quite a slight sort of he's quite tall and slight is he is he a big ball carrier I don't know he's skillful that's no well, he's a 12 I, isn't I he that's yeah. why he's played I mean, in France yeah. I think we'll, we, we ought to just forward this to, to Pat just so he knows that they've got problems with the centres just yeah. in case they miss that and uh, yeah I think it'll be interesting I mean we I mean I was assuming the odds are Charles Piertau, even if he is fit, he never fancies artificial pitches, does he? So he's definitely not going to be there. Um, but yeah, something to think about, isn't it? And you've got to think, you know, if, if we are trying to aim for that sixth place, you have got to go and beat teams below you. You can't afford oh, yeah. not to pick up a minimum of four, if not five. If we lose at Worcester, then that, that that's almost bottom half sealed mm. yeah. for us. 
Uh, okay, well let's let's think predictions then, uh, Miles. After your abysmal three-three um, phone Shocker. phone prediction last week, what what are you going for? Uh, I'm going a bit more optimistic. I'm going to go for uh, four tries. So I'm going to go for twenty-eight to uh, seventeen. I think Worcester might pick up. So seventeen twenty-eight to the Bears, yeah. Pete. Well, I, I've got to believe. I've got to believe it's a bonus point victory. Otherwise. You know, we're not. I, I won't make my prediction of top six. So I've got to basically say everything's bonus point now. So I, I think it's going to be 28 uh, 16. Ooh, very to close. Bristol. Lee? I've just had this score in my head like for the last couple of days. And I agree with Pete. I think we're going to go strong. And I, do you know what? It, I know this, I probably believe we'll have egg on my face. After the end of like when we talk next sour eggs, <laughs> sour eggs, because it's it is six ways and it is Worcester, but I think we're going to win thirty-two twelve, Tony. Oh, thirty-two twelve. Well, I am going to go for uh, Worcester twenty-one, Bristol twenty-four. I I think it will be close. I think they'll um, they'll be up for this and see this as a game that uh, as 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 was said on the interview with Marcello that uh, potentially they they're targeting um so uh, yeah we will see now lots of news from the club during the week we've got uh one lock who's staying for another 4 years and and one academy lock that uh, isn't even going to make the end of his 2 year contract so mm. Let me come to you then, Lee. Uh, the news that the artist we now know, Chris Vui, is uh, is staying for four years. A bit surprised that it's a four-year contract. That's quite a long contract in rugby terms. It's a very long contract, but I do think that obviously we we, we all know there's going to be a lot of suitors for Chris Vui, and I think it took that type of length of contract to to secure his signature. Um, for me, I'm absolutely just ecstatic about that because I think he is he's part of us the past, present and future. And I think yeah, like we've just agreed, uh he is so solid and he's so um just kind of versatile as well. And it was a fantastic signing. Four years for me, fantastic. I mean, I don't know what age he is now because he's one of those guys. Late twenties. He's late twenties. Yeah. So, so that would be his last contract, wouldn't it? Really, but, but you would have thought his last big contract. Yeah. Mm. And, and part of me, look, bit of the conspiracy theory, wonders. You know, clubs we'd heard on the the grapevine were coming in for him. They were interested. Yeah. And you know, would an Irish province or perhaps mm. one of the French teams? offer him a lot more money I just wonder whether this four year contract first two years are in the salary cap yeah whether we backloaded the years three and four to say Chris if you stay with us we can't match the salaries for year one and two don't worry son we'll sort you out years three and four yeah. Um, yeah. whether that was enough to make him stay that's my theory I, I totally agree I think that was the incentive you I know think. boys I mean it was a, it's a fantastic sign, extra signing but have you ever known Pat justify such a long signing. Did you see? So he had his performance coach pop up videos, didn't he, at the High Performance Centre of how good Chris Vuey was. And it was just brilliant to see. And I thought he obviously loves that man. Um, and that was great to see. But I haven't known that before. So he's obviously something special and he's yeah. definitely worth keeping. Uh, Pete, let me come to you. The, the lock that is uh, being released 
Alex Groves, who uh, came from South Africa, um, English qualified, was playing and was a bit of a star of the England under twenties mm. team last year that, that that won I think it was the Grand Slam, wasn't it, in the mm. under twenties? Uh, Six Nations contract terminated. Mm. Surprise. Well, I think so. I mean, I think whenever a contract's terminated, you uh, you always raise your eyebrow. Mm. I mean, I think if I understand rightly, part of the the reasoning was because he hasn't really made it in their eyes in this contract period, and they've got that guy Charlie Rice in the under twenties, who's you know he's perhaps not, he's not a lock, is he? He is. Yeah. He is. No, yeah. he's not. No, he is. Yeah. Rice. Yeah. But anyway. Um, we'd better check that off <laughs> uh, I'm sure someone will bring us up but the point is I think it's a salary thing I think it's uh, potentially they're thinking that you know they can they offer him a senior contract when they know that there's somebody else maybe a year behind you they might get who might be good enough we don't know to maybe make an appearance in mm. some sort of squad for free essentially so I wonder whether that's something to do with it but of course there's always going to be some thoughts that you know maybe there's something that happened behind the scenes and, and when Pat something goes on and Pat s- stops rating you that's it I think that was the, the key for me is I mean we, we all knew that Groves was really highly rated wasn't he I mean we've seen some of the the performances um, for England and it just seemed a bit bizarre actually that someone who's potentially got that that you know is that much potential then obviously like um, have I just been proven wrong now that Charlie Charlie Rice yeah second row six foot five that's really embarrassing that's that's actually my mate Doug (laughs) That's uh, he's good friends with he's good friends with, uh, with Charlie Rice's dad. Uh, uh, he's, he's passed away now, Mark. So, um, yeah, well done, Pete. Tough. Yeah. No, I, I I can't help but think something something's happened there because I think we were I, I don't think it was on a pod, but we were chatting before we recorded one a few weeks ago about where is Alex Groves because. I expected to see him in the Premiership mm. Cup squads. Mm. I thought he might be loaned out to, mm. you know, a Hartbury or, or a Dings or someone. Mm. He has just not been mm. around at all. I've got to say, I think there's more to this that we'll we'll never, mm. ever find out. Um, I think maybe, you know, he just hasn't fit, fitted with the way that Pat and the club want to run because... Again, for a talented lot, which I think, according to the rugby paper, Sale Sharks uh, are looking to sign him. You know, if if one of your rivals will jump on it straight away, is it really because he's not good enough for the for the prem? Mm. Who knows? Um, and uh, so, so that's two locks. But also, we had some news. Uh, well, broken by the player himself, uh, Durham University, our our feeder uh, club now. Um, uh, a hooker called Fred Davis announced on on Twitter that uh, he'd signed a deal for uh, to come to to the Bears. Now I, I'm gonna I, I was gonna go to Miles, but he, he, he's looking completely blank. So so I, I'm gonna come to Lee instead. In fact, you've already turned your baseball cap around uh, backwards in honour of that video I have in honour of Fred because uh, we watched the, the video and it was um, it was a good spot by you Tone I think wasn't it or, it was Tone yeah. and um, yeah and we, we watched that and it was uh, yeah uh, by all accounts really good potential again uh, obviously needs to, to turn his cap round the right way um, 
But yeah, I, I think that this guy has got a lot of potential, and you know he's a front rower. So um, yeah. you know, I think this is, he definitely is. He couldn't be... have looked more like a student, though. Oh, he could have. He looked like he was oh. in his like little hall of residence room. It's almost know, like with a half a written essay to one side, and yeah. uh, you know a can of lemon special brew. <laughs> yeah, and, and then he had his cap the wrong way around. I tell you what, it's given me an idea though about this whole scrum half problem. And going back to what you said, forget about practicing in Greville Smythe I might make a little video myself and announce my signing my loan deal <laughs> to Bristol Bears and then they, they, they you know to save face they might actually have to, to be a contract I'd be screwed because I can't do Zoom can I <laughs> not really, not really. yeah but that, I, I think the interesting point there Miles is that uh, if we're signing this young hooker who by all you know has been one of the standout players in the Bristol University um, uh, uh, it's Bucks, isn't it? The, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the competition yeah. universities, top top uh, ten kind of universities. Um, does that mean somebody's on their way out then? Of our established hookers, we've got Thacker, we've got mm. Kerr, we've got Capon, we've got um, Brian Byrne. Um, you know, you had a fifth one. You know, is one of those going to make way for the salary uh, cap? Because yeah. you would imagine, student, he's got a few loans yeah, to, yeah. to pay off, yeah. <laughs> but we ain't going to be paying him that much. No, particularly. I think we just need a few pints and a few beers, won't he? And he'll be, he'll be playing, uh, you know, every day of the week. Yeah, potentially. That does seem a lot of a uh, lot of hookers to me. Um, <laughs> you've, got, you've got a lot of experience yeah. with that. Yeah, absolutely. Said, said the Duke. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of hookers yeah. in one city. Which <laughs> that's even worse. That's even worse, Mark. I don't know. I, I, um, I, we don't know the contract lengths of the ones we've got. We, you know, you know, Kerr was given an extension, wasn't he? Because he showed great potential at the end of the season. But he's getting on a bit. Brian Byrne, he's come back from obviously his bionic knee injury, and I don't know how long he's carrying on for. So to say that, yeah, youth is on this student side. So he's something for the future. Um, but yeah, we we. Maybe someone he's off at the end of the season. I mean, you wouldn't think it'd be Capon, would you? Because obviously, he's, he's would he just no. be finishing his studies now this year at Capel. Bristol Uni? Is he still Capel. at uni? I don't know if I thought he had a. I don't know. I, I don't think he's at uni. No, I think he's got. A, he's, he's just a professional contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think Capon would be leaving, would you? Just got to say, when you said Jake Kerr's getting on a bit, he is 25. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there we are. Good stats. Well, like that. The forty-seven-year-old is just twenty-five. He looks a bit older. Than you, that. You, you would think that maybe one of them is uh, one of them's going to make way. Um, let's move along because I, I, I think this is going to turn into not only our hundredth episode, but uh, hundred minutes, our, our longest ever episode. It could, could well be a hundred minutes, but. Um, Six Nations, uh, England uh, won today in uh, in Rome. And uh, how good was it to see Pete Harry Randall start at last um, in a Six Nations game? Your thoughts on yeah. his performance? Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time coming, really. It should have happened last year with the Italy game, I think. Uh, yeah, I thought him and Smith looked great. Uh, great combo. I mean, I, he made a few mistakes. He's kicking... I mean, it's interesting because Eddie Jones had made some sort of veiled criticism of his kicking, saying his kicking's getting better. And actually, it probably was his weakest part of his game. Yeah. Um, we know he's, he's he's a good kicker, but, you know, let's say... Is he, though? I think it is fair criticism. Yeah, no, I think it is. Well, I, think he's, I think it is getting better. Yeah. Um, I suppose the only disappointment was that he only got 54 minutes. And I, and I think I, I, and there is a, a certain amount of amusement amongst mainly Bristol fans, to be fair, that... that 
why why wouldn't you let him play longer? I, I don't yeah. understand why you've got Smith on there the whole time. And, and that's the future, surely. So give him as long as possible and give him... It just didn't make any sense. Now, the, you know, I, you know opinions on, on Ben Young's, but, and I don't think we can blame him for the, for the way that the game um, sort of stalled. I think it was unfair to blame him, and that's coming from me. Mm. I think it was the forwards were sloppy, but he didn't do anything, did he? He didn't change the yeah. game. So mm. why, I just don't understand the thinking. When, when did he last change the game, Ben? Yeah, well, we, well, let's not get into that. I think, <laughs> but, I, think, but I, I think the point that you make, you know, if, if Young's had come on with 10 minutes to go to, to get his yeah, record, get his yeah. 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 you would have said, fair enough, yeah. but... Not to give uh, Smith and Randall, and actually, there, I don't know if you caught uh, Smith's interview afterwards, and he was talking about playing with Randall. They seem yeah. to be really good mates on a oh, okay. on a wavelength. I mean, so, to be honest, that interview, I was saying to my missus when we watched it, that interviewer could have ended his career on ITV in glory because he had every opportunity to say... So when Ben Youngs came on, what do you think about that, Marcus? <laughs> and he did, and he bowled it. I was like, ask him about Youngs. What does he think about playing with Youngs? One, and he one, just wouldn't do it. The one thing about Randall's kicking, though, the one thing we all know about Randall is, is when he needs to improve on something, he improves on it and he, he focuses yeah. on it. And, and, I, and I will see, I, I think we'll all guarantee a better Harry Randall kicking performance in the next yeah. few weeks. I think yeah. his running game was fantastic, isn't he? And he did his little snipes, which he does fantastically for Bristol. Um, but I think because of his stature, you did notice, didn't you, that Young's had a bigger box kick. But, you know, the brilliant thing was the minute Young's came on, he fluffed it, didn't he? He dropped he, a ball in the back of the scrum. Knocked on the back of the scrum. And, yeah, I do wonder why he was brought on so quickly. Uh, let me come to you, another Bristol man, getting on the score sheet for England, Sinclair. It was a nice little line well, to... He, he uh, plays for Bears, but he's, he's a <laughs> London and Saints. So. Oh. <laughs> no, but I mean, it was, it was nice, because I, mean, I don't know how many tries Sinks have scored, actually, for England, but it's not that many, is it? So, yeah, it was nice. Um, I watched the game, I, didn't, I wasn't overly impressed, but then I never am when Eddie James is, uh, is putting the team out. But, um, yeah, it was always nice to see, you know, Bristol representation for for the international sides. And, uh, and obviously Ellis Genge. Playing. And Ellis was playing, yeah. 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 He plays the Tigers at the moment. Mm. Well, yeah, but he's not going to play that many more games for Tigers, is he? <laughs> no, so, no, no, that's right. It's funny, though. He's halfway here, isn't he? Yeah. I was thinks, though, he, he, I don't know, for me, he always plays better in an England shirt than he's played in a Bristol shirt. And, I, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to... Definitely stick my ground, stand my ground with that. Mm. I tell you what, I, I, I hadn't realised, I just saw an advert for him. There, there's some show, isn't there, about Carl Sinclair and how he brought up and got into rugby. I think it's on ITV4, 28th February. I just caught the last bit oh. of the, the kind of advert. So we'll have a look at that and make sure we give a bit more information about that. But uh, yeah, look, look, look really interesting. And Miles, can you give me uh, an in-depth analysis of Sheedy's contribution <laughs> to uh, to Wales on on Saturday? I think the in-depth analysis will be as long, will be as long as my notes in this podcast. Oh, they're done. <laughs> uh, it was a, it was slightly hilarious because <laughs> he came on, uh, and Dan Bigger took some massive kick, and I was a bit like. Well, they don't want Sheedy to kick, do they? Because his kick's not long enough, just like Bristol. So that was a little bit disappointing. Yeah, Bigger smashed it for a penalty. They brought Sheedy on. 
And I think his contribution was kicking for the 18 minutes to win the game. That was great for Bigger. That was un- his hundredth uh, game. It, well. it was great. But also, I just want to say, I don't know if you boys had noticed, but um, actually today was five years ago today, we signed uh, Captain Superman, Lua Tua. Oh, really? So uh, yeah. I thought we just, uh, we, oh, we should put that on air. Signing. Uh, I think it's fair play. It was a That's... nice little advert of him in an all-black shirt, wasn't it? That's right, it was. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah. he looked about 80 then as well, didn't he? He did. He, <laughs> he, hasn't, does. he hasn't aged at least, does he? <laughs> He's just stayed the same. I'll pass on your address, Pete, uh, for, to, to Stephen for that comment. Uh, all right, so that's that's nearly it for our hundredth episode, boys. Can you can you believe that we we've done a hundred of these? Um, I think we've had something like seventy thousand downloads. I checked this morning. Uh, the the pod's been listened to in seventy countries Oof. around the world. Um, yeah, a hundred episodes. I'm going to come to you each and just. Just your your thoughts or a little standout moment for uh, since since we started. Uh, let me come to you first, Lee. Uh, your your thoughts. No, I totally back up the comments you just made, Turn. I mean, we I think we all agreed when we started this. I can I can remember it so clearly. We were we were sat down in the tobacco factory um, bar, weren't we? And you said, Tone, you said, what about why don't we do a podcast? And we all sat there, and I think first of all, the four of us were a little, or the three of us were a little bit like, really? And then we thought, well, no one else is doing it. And, but we, we've always, that, that's, that is the thing that I always go back to. And we always were so humble that we, we didn't think anyone would listen to it, did we? But the thing is, being really kind of, you know, self-centered, we thought we'd do it for ourselves anyway. Mm. And we've continued on that vein. And... What I love about what we have is like it is still four guys sat around the table talking about rugby, like we're having a beer after the game, and we don't suck up to the club, you know. If mm. if if they do things wrong, like the merchandise, we've called it. Mm. Um, but when they do things well, we also praise them. But it it has been a brilliant first hundred episodes, and years to years to many more. Yeah, Miles, your your recollections. Well, I think for the amount of times I've been here, it's clearly not been a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, congratulations yeah. on your fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've loved every minute. I mean, just to think, like that we were, you know, we were just we're just four season ticket holders. We haven't got a lot of experience in playing rugby. Every and we, and we freely admit that, but we are four passionate fans. We go to the games day in, well, week in, week out. And we love just chatting about rugby. We love banter. Like Lee said, we love picking a club out on everything they do badly. But we love praising how well the club do. And to think where we were, sitting there in the championship, and now where we are today, it's just an honour to be just chatting about the club week in, week out. Yeah, and and, and as we move into our, our second hundred um, I'm going I'm to bring back uh, next week. Um, gets my goat. We haven't heard that for a while. No. And uh, yeah, I just want to say, I, I feel like I've made lots of new friends, but only actually met one or two of them face to face, which maybe is not a bad thing. But um, for them, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just been a 
you know, as I have started wandering slowly in the autumn of my life through middle age, it's, it's given me it's given me something else to uh, get excited about, given a purpose in life. So uh, many thanks to Tony because he was the instigator, and as everybody knows, is the man that holds it all together every every episode and just lets us sort of spout on. our rubbish. But I, I want to finish on the the best moment was only a few. I think it was the. Uh, was the Boxing Day game where I had my little Odyssey in BS3 on my own. And I, I had the pleasure, and I think it's it's timely that we had Joe Joyce on for this episode, that I, I had the pleasure of meeting Joe Joyce's dad, who Top Martin, who told me that he was a, a listener and, and listened to it every week. And the two things that made me laugh was, one, he said, who's the clown who thought we'd have two tight heads in the front row? And I said, obviously, that was Miles. And secondly, um, it was the fact that he goes, he goes, I love the way when you, I love the way, I won't do his accent, it's embarrassing. He goes, I love the way that you, um, you know, you're always speculating on the lineup. But every time I listen to it, I already know because our Joe's already told us. So, <laughs> so I, it's great to know that there's a few, a few people out there that enjoy it. And what about you, team? Well, to be honest, I, I think, uh, you know, the two things, I think it's some of the things that it's led on to because, you know, the Bristol Post contacted us and we do the, the column in the paper now. We never anticipated that would happen. You know, Jeff Twentyman and the Scrum, the number of times we've been on that. I mean, Pete and I were called up and sort of like phone in one ear, finger in the other ear, trying to give some post-match analysis on Friday. You know, we're, as, as Miles said, four ordinary rugby fans that uh, now, now uh, you know, people come to because they want a, a fan's perspective. But I think the one thing that really stood out for me is the, the messages that we got, uh, I think, during those games when there were no spectators. Yeah. And people were really missing that kind of match day atmosphere mm. and seeing the people you sit around with and meeting up with friends and having a beer. We had so many lovely messages of people that said it's been great to be able to listen and have that kind of feel that you're part of that conversation because people were really missing that during those those COVID games. So that's the one thing I think that's so, really been really special for me is that yeah. that actually we, we've become part of so many people's routines and we did you know in a tiny way help some of those bristol rugby fans through that that terrible and, covid and period we, and we realized we get a lot of stuff wrong but we're, <laughs> but we're genuinely <laughs> yeah in our mistakes aren't we so what you're saying tony is we need another global pandemic <laughs> yeah yeah good, good for listenership yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe not maybe yeah. i think i think we're all over that now well gentlemen it's been an epic it's been an epic but that's it for this show as ever if you like what you've heard please subscribe and leave a review or rating for us on your podcast platform Platform. In fact, because it's the 100th episode, why don't you recommend us to a friend to have a listen for the first time? We'll be back next week with our review of the Worcester game and a preview of uh, the Wasps game at Ashton Gate. Until next time, goodbye, stay safe, and come on, Brisbane.